pastors are probably at the lower end of the totem pole of what they get paid. There are a number of people who have had to leave the ministry because they have not been paid enough to even be able to provide for their families. This whole idea that the church wants your money, one, what are you saying? Are you saying pastors just want your money? Or is it the church wants your money? And then what do they want it for? To, to help people who are hungry. We spend 20% of our budget taking the gospel around the world. There's a ton of marriage counseling that goes on that nobody pays for. And for people to say that, it's just really a lie they believe uh, that Satan's convinced them of. Did you know that actually the church, they just want your money? Yes, they do. That's so, all they want. So that's why that's why you, you push people to go to church, really, right, Pastor James? Because right. you only care about their money? And, and pastors rank as some of the highest paid uh, <laughs> people on the planet, apparently. Yeah, you got into this gig because of the you money. wanted... Yeah, yeah. That's you're, you're, why we're doing what we're doing is so we can get paid a lot. And that's why so many people want to become pastors, because all they want is your money. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you can't tell that this that was ironic, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today, because like genuinely, there are a lot of people, I think because of the isolated incidents of scandals with pastors like mishandling funds, they just think that there's this boogeyman scheme uh, behind the church that this is just constantly uh, going on. So I want to talk about there, there are 360,000 churches in the United States, 360,000 churches in the United States. And you get, you get uh, people who will point out like 0.5% of that number, not even that many, that, that have ended up in some form of misappropriation or something to that effect. And then everybody... They just throw everybody under the bus. Everybody is th dealing with that. If if uh, a priest molested a child or a pastor molested a child of some, everybody does that. It's it's interesting how it, we do that with everything um, that's not like us. Or we we want to then throw everybody that's in that category into that place, and everybody loses credibility because of the misjudgments of some people. And you know you need to be careful not just in the money aspect. You need to be careful how how we do that with people. So we we titled this, you know, the church just wants my money from right. a standpoint of that's that's just how some people think. Uh, and then you know my question is why is that a problem? So we I, we do want your money, but why? Can you tell us some of the projects as, as Bethel's Rock, like how we've structured uh, at least well, our church and how I what guess, we do for giving? I mean, I don't know that I would put it exactly like that. I would say, one, first of all, the church isn't the pastors. It's not us. The, the church belongs to Christ. It's, uh, the Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. Um, God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And there's a scripture in the Bible that says, uh, in fact, it's found in Matthew. It says, um, it says, do not store up yourself treasures on earth where moth or varmint destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up yourself treasures in heaven 
where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Really, it's not about wanting your money. It's about wanting, God wants your heart. It's the one thing he doesn't have. And if you think the church is all about getting your money, it's really a lie of the enemy that tries to stiff arm you. So you stiff arm God because the only thing God doesn't have, the only thing you can give God that he doesn't already have, he, he created everything. He can put money in the mouth of a fish, Right. He, he did it all, but he, he wants your heart, and he knows that where your treasure, your time, your money, your resource, your energy is, there your heart will be also. And, and then he goes on in verse 24, and he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then, right, and then he makes this statement, you cannot serve both God and money. And I, I think we have to understand that what I have was given to me by God, and I'm a steward of it, not an owner of it. And mm. so I'm obedient. When you're in the kingdom of God, it's one thing if an unbeliever says, all God wants, all the church wants is my money. They're ignorant. They don't know. They don't understand that. But they do understand where you put your money, your treasure's there. So if you put your money in kids' sports— that's where your heart is. And then you become a, you, you get whacked out. You scream and yell at the coach. Your kid never plays enough because you're so passionate about where you put your money. So the scripture is seen wherever you put your treasure, that's where your heart's going to go. It's where your heart runs to. I'm more so it was like, um, I think I was, what I was trying to do is from the physical side of things, like how, the mindset is the church just wants my money. Yeah, and, then and what if, do we use it for? Exactly. So, but you'll give uh, to a celebrity uh, to Taylor go to Swift, their concert thousands of dollars. Yeah, you'll go. You'll give to sports thousands, thousands of dollars. Of dollars. You'll buy give all to, the all the clothing, everything. We'll we'll give to video games just to get a new Fortnite skin or VC for NBA Two K and and all they want is your money. Yeah, all they all they want is your money, but. The mindset never goes to any of those things. We literally live in a consumer nation. Every That's why there's commercials and so many ads. It's people competing for your wallet. And the funny thing is the, the enemy is so clever because it's like, well, everybody else is, is doing this. But uh, the church, it's not even the main goal. But uh, it, even if it were, where is that money, you know, where is that you know, money going? You know, what's interesting is... Um, all of those things you stated are for me. I'm going to use my money that brings me pleasure. Mm. But when you give it to the church, what you're saying is I'm giving this for someone else. I'm giving so someone else can experience the, the, uh, the joy of the Lord. Someone else can experience the gospel message, whether it's the missions. You know, the Bible talks about tithing in Malachi. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but when when you give when you give your bring your tithe and give your offering and it's one thing to understand that God not only asks us the tithe he commands it and but we choose to bring the offering uh, to the Lord and it's always for someone else it's not always for my benefit now it is funny it is interesting that people will go to church and believe well I don't need to tithe I I don't and we'll talk about that in a moment what the Bible says about it. But I don't need, to, and they give nothing. But their kids learn the Bible in the 
in in the the nursery and have a pastor that's paid have pastors that share the word with them will be there if they're going through difficult times will counsel if they're going through marriage things will uh, will serve them personally provide them a community all of the bills got to be paid in the building that they're in all of those things and the church doesn't go up to people and say this is what you have to pay to be a member of this now try doing that at a golf course yeah, try doing imagine? that anywhere so there is a lot of benefit people get hmm. that they just assume somebody else is going to be going to do that right now now all the church wants your money uh, pastors are probably at the lower end of the totem to- pole of what they get paid uh, to do that. And I know that as a fact, um, there are a number of people who have had to leave the ministry because they have not been paid enough to even be able to provide for their families. Wow. Um, so this whole idea that the church wants your money, one, what are you saying? Are you saying pastors just want your money or is it the church wants your money? And then what do they want it for? To, to help people who are hungry. I mean, we have a food thing that helps people who need food. We, uh, we take the gospel around the world. We spend 20% of our budget taking the gospel around the world. I, there is, there's a ton of marriage counseling that goes on that nobody pays for. Um, there's, there's a lot of activity that happens at the church. And for people to say that, it's just really a lie they believe uh, that Satan's convinced them of. Can you share, um, you have a story where you were first in ministry, not you were making breadcrumbs, and God had told you to give, and so you started a side job in order to be more generous, yeah. not even, can you share that I mean, story? When I I have never had a problem telling people they should be generous. One, uh, the John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. No one will be more generous than God, but if we're going to be like God, uh, we have to give. We're, we need generosity is a big deal. That's why J- Satan is so adamant about planting these lies of all they want is my money. He doesn't want you to walk in blessing at all. And uh, when my wife and I first got married, um, we weren't making a lot of money at all. In fact, it's a miracle that we were able to uh, to do what we were able to do. We were we were considered uh, poverty level. And uh, I remember we ate ramen noodles and, and that's what we were eating. And, and we were making about $20,000 a year. I was making $20,000 a year. And my wife was working a minimum, uh, a minimum wage job. Uh, so she could be involved in ministry with me. And, uh, the Lord had told us to give $2,500 to missions. 10% of our budget to missions, and we were already tithing 10%. So I'm looking at it, and I'm like, and I had a school bill. And so along with everything, um, we we made that pledge to the Lord, and in order to do it, I had to roof houses. <laughs> and so I would do that on my day off. I'd go roof a house and... Um, until I made the money to pay to missions and ended up actually giving over $3,000 to missions because um, I was able to do the, the math just allowed for it to be $3,000 a mission. So we went out and worked extra jobs. My wife would drop me the shingles and I would nail them in place. And, um, and that's what we did for the first couple of years, about three years, four years, I think it was, in order to make our missions pledge. And I think that's such a 
a foreign like idea because it's like generosity is the excess that we bring. It's like, well, I'm going to give this because it's going to help me with taxes or I'm going to give because it's, you know, I can and it's not it's not like hurting my pocketbook. But it's such a it's such a different mindset. Like what brings someone? So what brought you to be like, you know, I'm literally going to go out of my way, even though, you know, there's bills that need to be paid. I'm not making much in the first place. I've dedicated my life to serve the church. Now God's asking me to give even more. Like what brings someone to be like, you know, I I got to go out of my way to do this. You know, there's family of origin issues where we've been told by our family that uh, all the church wants is money. There's things where we just, we live in a poverty mentality. Like I never have enough. And uh, people are not going to like what I'm about to say. They're going to, they're going to, in fact, I would expect that people are going to attack this. But I told you guys, you guys better, this is uh, uncut. the, The reality is the more you know who God is, the more generous you become. So the, the depth of your relationship, because when you realize God has a cattle on a thousand hills and he was the one that provided everything for you, then you realize that you're a pass-through and not a reservoir, mm. that you're not lucky to have the blessings that you have, that, that you walk in the prosperity of, of who God is and not the poverty of the old man and the old way of thinking. And and that's the one thing people struggle to get over is this poverty of mentality of always thinking they're the source to their income. And when you're generous, you realize that God is the source of my life and he will He will never leave me. You know, that was back in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Uh, Satan got them to believe that God was holding out on them and God wasn't holding out on them. God gave them everything they needed. And I think we give into the lie of the enemy that th- thinks, well, that God's, you know, he, I'm only getting so much and God's not involved in my life. God doesn't care. That's why he says you can only serve two masters. If you're serving money, you'll never feel like you have enough. Wow. And it will be your idol. Why would you give away your idol if you're serving money? But if you're serving God, money is just a means to the end of what God. So what am I going to do? So you realize that my money is just a resource and not an idol. It's what God gives me to accomplish and and the economy to accomplish things on this earth. And it's not something I serve or it's not my Jehovah. Hmm. Jaira, it's not my provider. Money is not my provider. Mm. Money is not my peace. And you have to ask yourself, is the reason you don't want to be generous is because you, you, your big bank account gives you peace. Your big bank account says you can provide. Your big bank account gives you joy. Your big bank account, if you're looking for money to give you joy, peace, love, excitement, and adventure, then it is your God. Wow. And, and if you're looking to God... Money is merely what God uses and puts in your life. When God tells you to go on a missions trip and you say, well, how much is it? And you say, it's $4,000. And you say, hmm, I can't do that. I don't have enough money, God. What you're saying to God is, God, I hear what you have to say, but money said I couldn't. So I'm going to obey money. Wow. Your God isn't the creator. Your God is your money. Because wow. your money is making the decision based on what God. So God, so God's like that person says, you need to do this. And you're like, mm, let me ask money. Money says no. God says, you need to give, give money to this person. at the, no, well, let, me, let me look at my account. No, money says no. Money says no. So I'm going to listen to money. 
It's your God. And, and that's what happens for a lot of people. You know, some of the people who say, I don't believe in tithing. I believe you just should give whenever you... Okay, if that's the case, most of those people never give anything at most $50 a year, $100 a year. But they will be as much a part of the church and use and not pay. So even logically from the world standpoint, they're not carrying their weight. Mm. But from the biblical standpoint, they're not being obedient. Mm. You know, uh, Malachi. Let me read this from Malachi. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, I will send my messengers who will prepare the way before you. And suddenly the Lord suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant who you desire will come and say it, the Lord. Now, let me, let me, I'm not in the right spot. Sorry about that. No, you're good. Uh, verse six, I, the Lord do not change. So you, so the Lord does not change. What is he telling you? He doesn't change because we went from an old Testament to a new Testament. Hmm. Oh, you're so you're saying so you're saying that the Old Testament God didn't have like a whole revelation of personality. <laughs> That's what people think though. Yeah, God didn't get saved. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hmm. He is the same God. Hmm. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord. But you will ask, How are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are, you ro- how are we robbing you? And this is what God says, in tithe and offerings. You've withheld them both. So you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And people have done this. They've tested the Lord. It's why I can honestly sit here and talk openly, boldly talk about this, is I've experienced the blessing of God on my life. And then those people who thought it was an idiot to go out work another job, to go pay and and to go at and and to tithe and to do that, and you're not being smart. Now God blesses me, and they and and they're almost upset that I'm being blessed. And oh, God's not about prospering, but He is. He says, "Look it." It goes on. I will prevent the pest from devouring your crops, your vines, your fields. Will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. It. Th- when it's not like you have less when you tithe. Yeah. God does more when you tithe and you give the first fruit. The first check I write every month is to the Lord. It's my best. It's my first. Um, it's like God says, I will do more with the 90 than you can do with 100. Wow. And he does every time. Never failed me. So the first check I write out of a joy of my heart, not out of obligation, but out of the joy of my heart, I want to give God my best, my first, mm. because that's what he did for me. Mm. So I just mirror that back to him. I found it interesting, and I, I love bringing it back to the garden, and you brought it back to the garden when you were talking about, that's literally when the first you know, rebellion came into play with humans. Yeah, They had a scarcity mindset. Yep. The, the enemy tricked them 
to say that God was holding out on him. And he was a pretty incredible marketer. He was selling ice to an Eskimo. Yeah. Like these guys, he said, oh, you'll be, you know, if you eat this fruit, you'll be in the image of God. Not like they were created in the image of God. And I think the enemy really is so crafty at that. You, you had talked about uh, Sunday and how Satan is, you want to tell, you want to kind of share that because I think that's really important now as Satan being a marketer, um, because a lot of people have subscribed to what Satan is selling and because they do that, they have been robbed of blessing. Do you kind of want to talk about that point you made this Sunday about Satan? Well, I, you know, there's incredible marketers out there and, and I'm not suggesting that they're Satan, but the Adam and Eve had everything they needed. There wasn't anything they didn't need. And if there had been, God would have given it to them. Mm. But Satan had to get them to become the source of their own pursuits. And and he had to market. And, and Satan really became the first marketing agent <laughs> by creating a need for something they didn't know they needed. Mm. Right? And they didn't need it. They were already in the image of God. Now, this is, this is an incredible thing to, to just think about. They were already in the image of God. They could have declared the truth. I'm already in the image of God. But Satan first had to convince them that they weren't in the image of God and then promised that he could get them to experience the image of God. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what's going on right now? Yeah. That that we are not created in the image of God. And Satan, the marketer, the incredible marketer, can if he can deceive a Eve in a perfect place without sin, that she God's holding out on her, then he can convince us who are who do have a sin nature of all kinds of things that are just not true. They're they're lying the deception. Um but um my mind is is spinning here right now because uh, like right now in the world, one of the things we're going to talk about is Satan has convinced us we're animals. Yeah. Wow. And we were we're not animals. We're not mammals. Mm-hmm. Science. We have just swallowed it hook, line and sinker. And it's subtle little lies like that yeah. that open the door to the possibility of other lies. Satan had to get her to believe little lies in order to get her to believe the lie that would cause her to eat of that tree. And we don't have a list of all those little lies, but there had to be motion between where she was at and where Satan was taking her. And that's what he does with us. He gets us to believe little lies. Discernment is knowing the difference between what is, it's not what is right and wrong. Discernment is knowing the difference between what is right and what appears to be right. Hmm. This brings me back, so with all you just said, it kind of brings me back to the mindset of where does that come from? Where does that stem from? One with God and one with the church when people say, oh, the church just wants my money. It's another giving message. Um, It it reminds me of the story of the rich man. So, oh, you know, pastors are supposed to be poor. We can't prosper. God just wants us to be, you know, just in ratty clothes and every... So with that story of the rich man, if you guys aren't familiar with the story of the rich man, there was this this uh, rich young ruler that that came to Jesus, and he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then he listed off all the things, the checklists of what we do today, of, of what 
qualifies him to be a good person. So if in your context, well, I go to church, um, I don't cuss, I don't drink, I don't smoke or, or date girls who do or smoke, chew. What is that? Drink, smoke and chew and date girls who do. Yeah. So he didn't do any of that. And then Jesus looked at him and goes, it said with love, he said, you lack one thing and says, sell everything you have and come follow me. So when Jesus said that, it was it because he's saying, get rid of the idol of money that you have. Yeah. Because that's, you're trying to, you're trying to follow all the rules you're following in religion. You're doing the religion of this, but what he's saying is come follow me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was saying all of that stuff is religiously focused, but follow me. And, and, and where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So you follow me. And, and I think we, it all goes back to how we value things. Mm. If, if we, if we value our, our, our health, we will pay a doctor an obscene amount of money to make sure we live another year. Mm. If we have a situation where we, we need to be protected. We'll pay lawyers as obscene amounts of money to be protected. If we value something, we will invest in it or yeah, we will true. pay something. Um, but it's a lot of times like we'll put our kids into AAU. Whether we get a scholarship or not, we'll pay obscene amount of money to get our kids to learn basketball to play through high school. Right. Uh, but we want a scholarship or we want a, a free pass to send them to a camp that will teach them spiritual things. Mm. We don't. We will skip church on a Sunday morning, but never miss a school day. Wow. We will because we don't value spiritual things. We don't put a premium on spiritual things. And you're saying, well, you're a pastor. So like everyone who thinks what they do is the most important, this, my friend is the most important because it's of eternal consequence. Mm. This guy was saying, what must I do to have eternal life? And he said, sell everything. Everything else is less than this and Mm -hmm. follow me. He's saying everything else you do get you, you that's second place. That fits in. You know, the Bible says, um, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will fall into place. Everything else will fall is ordered around it. If, if, um, if we don't value our spiritual life, our, ex- our eternal existence here on earth, um, it really identifies what we see and if we see. There's a, when you said talking about, it's an issue of seeing the value. I think about, there was a guy, uh, when, before cryptocurrency all took off, he had Bitcoin. And so he didn't really see it as being of any value because it wasn't really necessarily at the time. And he sold that for, uh, I think it was like, um, it it was for pizza. So he sold his Bitcoin. Yeah. And now it would have been worth millions and millions of dollars if a you would have helped. A lot less, though, than it would have been a year or two ago. Exactly. <laughs> it's funny because it's, you know, what was going on. I have that picture in my head now with the rich young ruler. What was going on is the rich young ruler, Jesus was provoking him to to see Jesus for who he really was. And he left away discouraged because he didn't see the value that there was in Jesus. I told a guy yesterday, we were out uh, witnessing at 
Walmart and everybody says, it's so funny. Like it's every time I go. So when I go out, I never tell them I'm a Christian or a pastor at first. I see where they're genuinely at before I say anything. And every time, not every time, but most of the time, uh, after they just get done saying they, they believe in reincarnation or they don't know where they're going after death or, and then I say, I'm a Christian. They say, oh yeah, me too. Like, what are you talking about? And then so we talked about we talked about Jesus and and belief and trust in Jesus. I I explained it that it's more so like a trust fall. Like if I were to get on top of this table and then maybe a ladder on top of that, and I looked down at you and I said, Pastor James, like I'm trusting you to catch me. Because if you don't, there's 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 something I could do to prevent my fall. I could maybe put my arm out, but odds are that's gonna get broken. But if if you don't come through with me, I'm cracking my skull open. There's not really anything else I can do. And I think people, they say they believe in Jesus, but they got a rich young ruler's heart where there's a fallback back option with the scarcity mindset with their bank account. Does that make sense? Oh, what, I, yeah. what I'm saying? Well, if, if you go back to that Matthew 6 where I was reading uh, where it says you can't serve two masters, we're talking about, uh, look at verse 22. It almost feels like it doesn't fit, but it fits. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It, the, what, he, what he's saying is if you, if you don't understand that how you handle your money has a bigger deal to do with your relationship with Christ than you think, you're like these guys that you go there and they think they can be Christians and they're deceived in so many areas because they've mixed idol worship in with their their relationship with God. And you see that all the time. There is a difference, and I, and I always say this, religion is demonic, and most people would agree. Christianity is the worst religion of all mm-hmm. because it tries to replace what following Christ really is about. Mm. And if you're, a Christ, if you're a true Christian, which means follower of Christ— you don't, you don't, it means you, you've sold, you, you, you sell everything. It's none of it's yours and you follow Christ. And so everything you have is used for the sake of Christ. It's for the purpose of Christ. You don't argue about tithing and all of that stuff because who is it for? It's for Christ. He gave everything for you, and he doesn't say you shouldn't use it to take care of yourself and to meet your needs and to even experience the blessings that he has for your life. You can be extremely blessed when you walk, but you're obedient to what he tells you to do. You're listening to his voice, and, and, and I think if your eyes are, are open and you can see, they're a lamp to your body, and if you're one of those people that are walking this, you see it. You yeah. don't have any problem with what we're saying. But if you're not, you're angry, something in you is upset. Yeah. You don't like it when people are generous because you feel it. And you do not like it when people are celebrated for being generous yeah. because we shouldn't be pointing out what people give. We shouldn't celebrate the gifts that people make. But people who actually give have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. They have no problem with celebrating people for being generous. And Jesus did. Yeah. Jesus celebrated the widow. They literally gave everything that yeah. there was there was Pharisees that were going and flaunting their riches because they wanted praise. And this this widow gave everything she had, which wasn't much in comparison with the Pharisee. But Jesus yeah. used her as an example. 
of her generosity and her sacrifice that she made. So that's a ridiculous thing that people like yeah. say. Like, it, but it's it's the whole thing is ridiculous that mm-hmm. the church only wants your money, and and the church out of all of the things in the world that want your money. So the next time you go to a restaurant and you eat in that restaurant, you say, you know what, I'm under grace. Um, so I don't actually need to pay the bill for what I use because I'm under grace. Um, or the next time you go uh, to buy a car, just say, oh, you don't understand. I'm under grace. Um, I don't need to pay for this car. Um, there's that mentality, well, I'm at the church. I don't actually need to tithe and give to meet the needs of the building that I participate in and pay the people who actually minister to me, the people that are there. I don't need to give to any of that. I'm under grace. I'm under grace. And most of the people who do that give almost nothing. Uh, It's one thing uh, to, you know, you have a problem with tithing. Well, if you're under grace, you actually give more than 10% Mm. because everything you have belongs to the Lord. Exactly. And God says to tithe. Um, and to give offerings. But if you're under grace, then you're giving way more. An example of that is um, the Bible says, the law says, if you look at a woman and have adultery with her, you've committed adultery. But grace says, if you look at the woman and even think about it, it's as though you've committed adultery. Hmm. Grace increases the standard. Yeah, And, uh, you know, people, people uh, I think, misunderstand um, the impact that money is playing in their life, and it's very deceptive. Matthew nineteen twenty nine. So, you know, back to the the mindset: the church wants my money. God just wants everything I have. Yada yada yada. And I, and this is not the reason why we give, but we know that God's a good father and he takes care of us. He takes care of our needs. The Bible says if he takes care of the sparrows and and, and his creation, how much more will he, he regard you and take care of you? Matthew 19, 29, when Jesus is referencing this, and I think the, this is a message that the rich young ruler should have heard. It says, and everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. I like yeah. the and part, like a hundred times more uh, than that. And it, on top of that, he, he takes care of you. It, and you know, back in Matthew six, where he finishes talking about, you can't serve. That's where that scripture comes in. You're talking about, he teaches about worry, but it's right after he talks about, you can't serve two masters. If you're going to serve money, then money is going to be your God, Hmm. and that's going to be the one that protects you. So your money, you'll have to depend on your money to protect you, and most of the time it doesn't do that. It doesn't give you joy. It doesn't give you you, your left wanting. But he says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. And that's why we keep the money. That's why we're not generous, because I'm worried about my life. What will you eat or drink or about your body? What will you wear? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? I love that part because people say we're animals. We're way more valuable than those, and yet God provides for them. He says, I, just as Jesus talking, that his Father provides for the birds. So when you see a bird eating, it's because God provided it to him. 
and he will do the same. Can any one of you worry and add a single hour to your life? No. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Remember when I said it really has to do with your relationship with God? Yeah. It's right there. Jesus says to them very bluntly, you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run around after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need, that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He's saying, if you don't worry about what you're going to eat because God's going to take care of us, then, then you won't have a problem being generous. Yeah. You, you get to live life generously. Yeah, there's, um, what I found was, uh, was interesting is that um, I literally just lost my point. Oh, I just had it. It was on the tip of my tongue. You'll have to come back to me, say something, and then I'll, oh, and then I'll I, remember okay. it. Okay, so I think a lot of people will spend obscene amount of money for concerts, games, different events that are here today and gone tomorrow and they spend their money. But when you go on a missions trip and they say, well, I don't have money to do that, but I, I don't have money to go on a missions trip, but I, I got money to go and spend and do that obscene amounts of money to go and do that. You're spending the money. But when you take money and you go on a missions trip, you're investing the money in the equity of of eternity and that's the difference is making an eternal investment as opposed to spending uh now i got it because it was it was actually something my my wife brought up we were watching we were hearing you say that your wife i know i just threw it in there because if she listened to this uh it sounds good i get brownie points for mentioning her your uh, wife huh yeah my wife mm, <laughs> kinda, sometimes i kind of like flex the ring sometimes because it I don't know. It just makes me feel more like an adult. So, <laughs> but uh, don't deceive yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Pastor. The the running joke between me and him is that Pastor James always says, "Well, your brain is still developing." Uh, <laughs> as a male, like he has this whole spiel about the male mind still being developed, and so you know. Well, it's true that in your twenties, you can be the most brilliant of all males on the planet. And then follow that up 20 minutes later with the dumbest thing you can possibly think of. <laughs> yeah. So the we were watching, do you like Planet Earth? I uh, don't know that I've ever seen it. I think it's called Our Planet or something. I love it. It's really peaceful too. So after Sunday, we went home and we're going to take a nap and we threw it on. And um, it's so interesting. It's just so satisfying. Listen to David Attenborough or whatever his name is, just a smooth British accent. And and it was funny because she had brought up that at, like after we got done watching a couple episodes, she was like, literally, she said, what I got from that is animals don't do much, but just eat, sleep, and migrate. Like and poop. Yeah, and poop. Yeah, <laughs> but that's literally the. It, and I was like, I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, that's true. And, and when you had brought that up, that's what the pagans do. They worry about what they eat, where their money is coming from. It's just like worry, worry, worry. And I see like 
like these animals, it's the same way. Like we off, we, because of our scarcity mindset, we become like the beasts of the field where we don't recognize where our help comes from. And God is the provider. We end up chasing and migrating to the next thing and worrying about where our money comes from. And it's just about food and where's my next check coming from. And we're just constantly at the state of like, on the edge of our seat and worry, and it's not what we were called to, well, and to it's, live like. But when you convince people that they're animals, then it's normal for them to act like an animal. But animals and this planet was created. Just look around at creation. Look at the earth. Look at, look at everything on the earth. God provided all of it for man. Mm-hmm. Animals are there for man. We're not here for animals. We're not here. They're there for our enjoyment. God created it all for our enjoyment. And um, from the Garden of Eden, he, the last thing he did was put man in the Garden of Eden. He put man on the planet after he had provided everything they needed for their survival, their existence. And, and the thing that's interesting is uh, God didn't put anything on earth that would destroy man. Death did not enter the earth until they disobeyed. The reason we die today is because Satan convinced man to let death come into the earth. And, and what's in, in all these evolutionists that get into this argument, tell me where death came from in your model. You could you you can try to explain where life came from. It still doesn't make sense. It's it's pretty messed up that you would say we should just trust you uh, that that's where life came from. But uh, to tell me where you how did death enter the world? Um, that's something no one's talking about. And in the first three chapters of Genesis, not only does God tell us where life comes from. It, death is also explained in the first, and this has been around for thousands and thousands of years, an explanation that cannot be disproved. Even the mockers can't, they just mock. They don't have a legitimate ability to disprove it at all. Mm-hmm. So, and why is that important to all God wants is my money? No, God wants your heart. That's yeah. not all God wants. God is, is all about wanting your heart. Uh, all all the church wants is your money. No, the church wants your heart. That's what we're going after, is that your heart would leave the kingdom of this world and come into the kingdom of God and experience life and abundant life. Yeah, there's a, there's a story in Scripture that I wanted to read too because it, I think it's, it's super cool. And when you understand um, what, what he's talking about, it just kind of like, it blows your mind and it's, I'm looking for it right now. I just had it pulled up. It's give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to, they're trying to catch Jesus in a trap as they often, often did um, to get him tongue tied or, or say something um, uh, to get him in trouble. Uh, and they were trying to get him in trouble with the government. And so, which actually fun fact is not really a fun fact, probably a pretty dark fact, but there was a, a guy named Judas, and he actually was from Galilee. He led this big revolt against the Roman Empire, saying that um, that tax was against the law, that it was that God looked, he frowned upon that. And so he was able to get a lot of Jews to revolt against uh, the Roman Empire. And actually, Judas uh, ended up being crucified because of that. So this is just before. Jesus really shows up on the scene from the same city 
where Jesus is doing a lot of his ministry. So I first find that interesting in what these guys uh, are are trying to do. But this is what it says here. It says in uh, it says in verse thirteen in Mark twelve. It says later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to uh, to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, "Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity." I'm just just mm-hmm. patting that ego. Uh, to get him to slip up. Well, you, thinking they're patting his ego. Thinking, yeah, catch him in a trap. They they yeah. compliment him to to let his guard down. We teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. It is right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not. Should we pay or shouldn't we? And Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me a denarii and let me look at it. They, they brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? They said, Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and give back to God what is God's. And they were ma- amazed at him. If they're, if they're, I just picture Jesus with, I don't know. You just just a mic drop. I, I thought you were going up to fist pump them or something. <laughs> I would have, but I'm thinking like, man, like it, the, the, that's just where the, the passage oh, it's ends. It's funny, right Jesus there. right there, Jesus makes the statement, give back what is God. What is he talking about? What is exactly. God's? We focus on what is Caesar's and talking about tax, but he's talking about what is God. Mm-hmm. That would have been referred in their mind. They know he's talking about the tithe. Mm-hmm. You bring to God what's his, you bring the tithe to God, and then you bring the tax to Caesar. I think that what he was, what he was talking about is the image or the inscription that was on that coin, that they have this physical idea that it's about money. It's about like they were constantly caught up in religion and tradition, and they missed the whole point always. And Jesus is like, give to God what is God. He was saying, give to God that inscription that we were made in the image of God. Give to God what is God's, which Caesar can have his money. You let him have his his little inscription or his little coin. Like you belong to God, like your entire being, you belong to God. It's much more than what this, you know, the for us, the dollar bill, uh, dead white presidents, um, you know, give to God what is God's, which is your entire being. If you're a sl- and if you're a slave to mammon. It's it's not a good investment plan because at the end of the day, you can't take a UPS truck uh, to the grave. Yeah, I'm not sure what that meant, but <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean the the UPS, UPS truck? Well, okay, if you're if you're going to develop all these riches, what's it all for? If at the end of the day, breath leaves yeah, your lungs and you can't take it with you, it's like the guy who built to you know more barns and then he dies. Yeah, um, that the reality is 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 I think, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, this argument that all the church wants is your money. And um, that's, that's just a deception. It's just the, some, it's an, it's, we're just, th- that's an argument that Satan puts in people's minds and they use the stiff arm, their blessing, the stiff mm-hmm. arm, what God wants to do. And I think God knew that was going to be the case. That's why in Malachi, he says, test me in it. You know what's great about this mm. is we can sit here and argue about it and discuss it, or you can try it. Exactly. You can do an experiment. Does this actually work? Doing an experiment. Mm-hmm. Start tithing. Tithe for two months. Just tithe for two months. Go to your church. Tithe for two months. Give offerings to something. 
And if your finances don't change in that period of time and you're honest about it, it doesn't change, then don't do it. Mm -hmm. But if it does, recognize it and then make a change. Repent. Yeah. Change the way you think. Yeah. There's a story that you told um, to end on. I, I want to leave them with something that they can see that's um, that they would take maybe this challenge. That would encourage them to take this challenge because a lot of times we say, why doesn't God operate like he did in biblical times? Like, how come I don't see him move? It's like, well, you never take the first step. You're waiting on God to move and he's looking at you like, Okay, tag, you're it. Yeah, it's a but step of faith. You have a you That's have a what story. Faith is. Exactly. You have a story about a guy in your last church. Um, it was about tithing, and I can't remember what it was. He came well, there, into your there, office. There, and... there, yeah, there's uh is actually in Minneapolis. Oh. Um, there was a guy I had given them this challenge. I said, Listen, I want to challenge you to tithe. If you're in a financial funk and you're struggling financially, and you know what's funny is some people that I know they're making over a hundred thousand a year and can't pay their bills. We always think if I make a little more, then I'll be able to pay my bills. We don't recognize that there's a curse on our finances because we're not being obedient to what God said. And uh, this gentleman, I, I, I said, listen, I want to challenge you to give, uh, to tithe 10% of your check. And if your finances don't change uh, in a certain period of time, we'll give it back to you. We'll give back what you gave in tithe. If you think we're trying to, I'm not here to try to get your money, we'll write you a check back. And so this gentleman started tithing and we had record of what he gave because you put it in an envelope, you put your name on it and we keep record of that. And about three or four weeks in after tithing uh, for that period of time, he said, listen, uh, I've been tithing, I took your challenge, and nothing changed, so I'm here to get my money back. And I said, okay, tell me about what happened, and he shared with me, and not, we'll do that. In fact, I think I even went out and said, okay, well, I'm, I told our bookkeeper, find out how much he gave, and, and we, he, the bookkeeper came in and said they gave this much, and he said, no, 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 I gave more than that. I actually gave this much, and we actually wrote a check for what he said he gave, right? And um, he took the check. We talked a little bit. He took the check, and I didn't see him uh, again for a week. Two weeks later, he comes back. Two, it, you know, it's two, two and a half weeks later. It, he comes back, and he had not cashed that check. And he throws the check on the desk, and he says, listen, Okay, God has blessed me, and I was just trying to get my money back, and God told me if I cash this that a lot of bad stuff was going to happen. I, so, so I know what you're saying is true, but I'm not tithing, and I'm not coming to this church anymore. Wow. And, and he left the check there at the church. Now, here's the thing. Wow. You have to choose whether God is going to be your king or your president. You don't get to elect what you're going to obey. You don't get to choose what you're going to obey. He's the king. You're obedient to what he says, right? And God promises that he will supply for all your needs. He promises he'll take care of you as your king. If you treat him as a king, he's going to fulfill his responsibility to you as a king. You treat him like a president, you're on your own. Mm -hmm. and, and this gentleman just did not want to hear. He thought ignorance is his salvation. 
And I think a lot of Christians believe that if I'm ignorant of the truth, God will just overlook it. And the reality is you aren't going to experience blessing because you're ignorant of the truth. You're going to experience the blessing of the promise if you're ignorant of the promise. You have to exercise your faith in the promise. You have to declare the promise. You have to recognize the word. Otherwise, you'll empower the lie. Mm. The promises confront truth, and the truth sets you free. Mm. You have to know what the truth is, and you will put your agreement and declaration to the truth, and that truth sets you free. Ignorance of the truth, ignorance of the promise does not set you free. It keeps you in bondage. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Um, there's <laughs> there's a lot of content that we could continue to talk over and over and over. We didn't even cover about when Paul talks about, you know, if we've sowed something spiritual among you, isn't it right that we reap something physical in reference to pastors being paid? And so if you if there's an argument that's being brought against the church as far as why does the church want my money, whether it's from, you know, a secular point of view or someone in the church, you know, logically, it doesn't make sense for the unbeliever. And biblically, it doesn't make sense for the believer why you're so opposed to it. Um, and if you are opposed to it, why don't you try it out? Um, if this is an area where God says, test me in this, you know, I don't know about you, but I know I, I've never known God to be a liar. And I want to do that. Like, I want to yeah, I want to engage in that, that God, if God's challenging me to do something. Yeah, it's I mean, if you're an unbeliever, you're going to be an unbeliever. You're not going to understand why. Although there are a few unbelievers I know that tithe. Hmm. They don't believe in the whole God thing, but they recognize how people who tithe tithe. And they're so teachable. They ask uh, people who are successful in business, what do you do? And they say, I give 10 percent of my money uh, to my church. And I and so they go and they follow it to the T. Mm. They give it away. They don't understand why, but it works. And they're unbeliever. The tithe is a creational principle. Mm. It was a principle before the law. Anyone who says, well, the law is done. I'm under grace. I no longer have to tithe. Friend, tithing was something men did before the law, thousands of years before the law. Yeah. Cain and Abel tithe. It's a creational principle. Abraham. So it's Just not about the law. The, 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 the grace didn't eliminate the law, creational laws. Like mm-hmm. gravity is no law. Wow, I'm under grace. I don't need gravity anymore. You know, creational laws, the things that are literally part, the unbeliever that tithes experiences blessing in their life, believe it or not, they do. And it's why so many millionaires, some that are believers, some that are not, see more and more wealth because they give 10% is one of the, the, the realities of creation. Yeah. And so, you know, we're gonna, you know, this is something that we haven't talked about for a while. And so I wanted to address because I constantly hear about, you know, the church just wants my money. Like this is, you know, this is all fake or there's a boogeyman behind, you know, the ulterior motives of what the church is doing. And so, you know, I'm going to, we're going to give you an action step today. And if you're listening to this, if you don't have a church, I'd encourage you to give to this ministry, you know, believe it or not, this doesn't happen uh, without, you know, it's, it's, it's funny to think that, you know, like people that just go to church and they, they just reap the fruits of the labor and, 
the people that are on staff here or like the lights that are on or, you know, the childcare and stuff like this doesn't happen uh, without the generosity of people. And obviously that's, that's first comes from God's provision. But if, if you've been blessed by this ministry, especially, or you're just like, you know, I've never done this before. And I'm curious, um, I'm curious about it. And I, and I want to see if this is actually, if this is actually real, the way that you can do that is I'm going to put it up on the screen right now, is if you text that number, you text Bethel's Rock to 77977, or you go to Bethel'sRock.org slash give, um, and give it a month, give it two months, and just see what God does during yeah, that time. Yeah, in, in the reality, that's great, and if you do that, that's great. But if you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, okay, they're just trying to get me to do that, don't do it here. The reality is we want you to experience the blessing of this. And if you have a church or if there's somewhere else you want to do that, do it. Do that. Just do it. If it's not here, we don't want you to think that that's what we were talking this going over all of this about, because that's not what we're here to do. I I tell people all the time, you don't want to tithe here, tithe. You're supposed to tie your store, tithe your storehouse. But if you can't tithe here, go to where, go to the place where you can, find a church where you can go and do that. And surely, um, you know, all of this takes money to do. But if it's going to prevent you from experiencing something for the first time, we want you to do whatever it is, uh, just so that you do it. Exactly. Yeah, that, that was the gotcha moment, huh? Where people yeah. said, see, this is yeah. what you're just proving your point. But yeah, wherever you call church home, we encourage you to do it. This is literally an, we're, what we're doing is giving you an invitation to experience blessing. We've both done it. Um, and you I've seen it. And I've sent I've seen the incredible provision of God when I've took him at his word and I've stepped out in faith uh, to give God. God takes care of you. Like I have not lacked even when you know, we've been quote unquote struggling. Like I'm, God has always, always provided when it hasn't made sense. And we just want you to experience the same. So God bless you. Uh, and then if you have engaged in that challenge, or we would love to hear some of your testimonies of what God has been doing in your life. So feel free to either comment that or shoot me a message. Uh, uh, you can email me at pastor Alex at Bethelsrock.org. I would love to hear uh, some of your guys' stories, but thank you guys for listening. And we will see you guys.